All right. Welcome to the podcast. I am sober. I am a heathen. I am the sober heathen. I'm Scott, and I'm glad to be here today. Uh, another great podcast, another great interview coming today. Um, we go back north across the border of the United States into Canada, um, Vancouver, I believe. And that is really freaking cool. Um, I, I, I love, I mean, I never thought that I would have uh, connections outside of my little box here in this little tiny town of, of Michigan. And here we are talking to all kinds of people from all kinds of places. It's super exciting. Uh, just a quick reminder. If you hear this, uh, find us on Twitter, the sober heathen on Twitter. I've been doing not only the podcast, but Twitter spaces. We're going to go live uh, later this afternoon at two o'clock um, myself and rich S it's going to be pretty great. Um, but now to the important thing today, we have Denise, um, she's coming to us, as I said, from Vancouver. Uh, Denise has a podcast. I'll let her tell a little bit about that. Denise, how are you? How are you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks, Scott, for having me. So you got a podcast. You want to throw that out there, right? We got uh, sure. people listening intently. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Denise, and I've been in recovery since March 15, 1983, just celebrated 40 years. Awesome. And, um, you know, yeah, I uh, I have my own podcast now. It's called uh, Life Beyond Our, My, pardon me, Life Beyond Our Wildest Dreams. And uh, the podcast came across just before COVID. Um, I got introduced to Recovery Hour with Sandra Losty and uh, some online meetings for um, people in all recovery. So, that was good for me. I have always typically been involved in 12-step program for 37 years, and that was my first exposure to all-inclusive recovery. You know, I'd always done what I'd always done the way I'd always done it. And uh, I obviously, you can tell from the date of my recovery that I entered recovery when I was 21. I'm now 63. So um, that's awesome. It has been, it has been a journey. You know, every decade it's been a different person recovering. I genetically had the predisposition um, through family. And um, I'm very hesitant to call other people alcoholics or, you know, say that they have any addiction issues. That's really a self-disclosed uh, illness. But let's just say both my parents have passed. Um, I was the only one in the family that went into recovery and um, you know it's been a really good gig you know um, when I think that I came from a place of desperation and I entered recovery I got that gift of desperation to get sober and at 21 you know I would go to some of my support meetings and recovery different places and I would just stand up and do the sounds like a country and western song going bad losing their house, their dog, their job. And, you know, everybody was old. I mean, they were old. They were probably 30. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, do these people think I'm going to do this the rest of my life? <laughs> so, you know, I just, when I look back now, is that the reason the podcast is so important is that, you know, everyone has a story. And no matter what the culture is, people are storytellers. And, you know, no matter what people's addictions are, no matter what their paths of recoveries are, 
everybody has a story and I'm fascinated with people's stories and I see how mine's unfolded far beyond my wildest dreams, far beyond how, I mean, I came into a place in a desperate state to just not drink. Yeah. And I ended up with a career of 25 years. I've ended up with a marriage of 35 years. I've ended up with, you know, a recovery. You know, I prefer to go 24 hours at a time. I, I actually prefer to go an hour at a time. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I've ended up with all of this and all I did was show up to try to not drink. So, you know, it was a pretty good gig. And, um, you know, life is life. I mean, whether I was, you know, an alcoholic or I was had any kind of addiction issues, I was in recovery, I was out of recovery, life would still carry on and life was tough. I mean, it, you know, it's got its challenges. So, again, I think the stories are really, really important because they provide such hope to people. You sure. know, that people, <laughs> it's funny when you say you're sober, even when I was in the 30s and I'd say, oh, 30, 30, and people go, oh, and then that'd be it. They'd be on to the next person. <laughs> <They'd be> like, <laughs> you know, but I couldn't visualize that either. But I think it's important that we don't think about the period of time in years. You know, I've known a lot of people of many years and they don't know, they don't understand one 24-hour day. So, you know, you can have many years and no days. And so for me, the days are what's important. And um, so, you know, I was lucky through my my period. I certainly had my ups and my downs, and my recovery has ebb and flow no matter what. And eventually I was carried part of the time. I'm not a particularly religious person at all. Um, I don't even know if I'm a spiritual person. I would just say that I believe in a universal connection. For me, what's kept me sober has been the connection with people. One person with addiction issues to another. And, um, you know, for me, I just believe there's no one, you know, um, program or one solution that's all. It's a very unique you know, it's like joining a gym membership. I'm disabled and I have mobility issues and there's a walker. And uh, so like, why would I join a gym? Okay, like I can do walking outside and I do walking every day, but you know, it's like setting yourself up to go to the gym and say, okay, I'm gonna go three times a week and then hating it and never going. You know, we have to, we have to curtail, I believe our program to a really individual thing that we know we're going to do. And, you know, recovery, we've got to find a way, I believe, when people say, well, how do you stay sober so long? Okay, a day at a time I do. But not only that, I have to have some kind of joy in it, some kind of happiness, some kind of fun, some kind of laughter. If recovery starts to get heavy and, you know, it becomes kind of like I was in addiction, then it's time for me to give it up. So, you know, again, through our stories, we can tell people that, hey, you know, recovery is a great choice. And this is, you know, this is what we get from it. I've met many people, had many laughs. And I think the one thing that's been successful for me long term is that every single day I speak to another person with addiction. Or I email them or I text them. But I make sure every single day I have that connection. So COVID came along and, of course, um, Everything got locked down here. No face-to-face meetings. To be honest, I probably would have been content 
and probably would have just not maybe gone to meetings again. Um, you know, because at this stage, the drinking isn't my problem. It's the thinking. And it's the navigating through life on life's terms with my skewed perception. You know, I always, I always say as a person in addiction, I'm like a person on a radio station that's not quite on the station and there's a little bit of static and I can never get fine-tuned. <laughs> you know, my perception, my spouse is not an alcoholic. So the thing is, anyone who has an addictive personality and a person who doesn't, they see the world very differently. Our perception is very different. So I'm here today still because it, I have a disease of perception. Sure. And, you know, I have to be able to see things clearly and navigate you know, I had to undergo that complete personality change in order to navigate in the world differently. So, you know, I'm not concerned necessarily today that I would have a drink. It's not impossible. Let me be really clear that my personal belief is the only difference between you at seven months, somebody with seven days, somebody with three days, or myself with 40 years is one drink. That's it. <laughs> It's very simple. And um, so to protect that, you know, once COVID came, I did get introduced to all-encompassing recovery, I have to say, when you've done things the exact same way for 37 years, and then you do something very different, it's not that easy to teach old dogs new tricks. So <laughs> it really opened my mind, though, and I was so glad because not only then did I get the gift of desperation in the beginning, to get sober and have maintained that sobriety, but I got the gift of desperation to die sober. Then I got a new enthusiasm that, hey, I'm in this for the long haul. I always think in the back of my mind, the saddest thing for people with addictions, they relapse, something happens. They could have had very, very productive lives for many, many years. And then always the people say, you know what? They could accomplish this and they accomplish that, but isn't that too bad that they died sober or they died drunk or they died and they relapsed? And everything else gets discounted that they sure. achieved. All that people seem to remember is, isn't it too bad that, you know, they battled their addiction? So, you know, I have the choice today and I have the control today because within my recovery, I believe that I've gone from a state of powerlessness to a state of having some power over my recovery. I might not have the power over the addiction, but I have the power over my own recovery. Anytime someone's relapsed and come back and I've spoken to them, it's been a change in their behavior that led up to it, and it was a conscious choice to pick up a drink or a drug. So, you know, I now know today I've got the choice. I choose every single day to remain in recovery. Um, you know, I cut myself the slack that every day is going to be different. My best is going to be different every day. I suffer from a lot of chronic pain, so it depends on the day. My partner is very ill in the picture and outside of me. You know, we've got struggles and challenges, but the thing is we would have those no matter what, and I have way better a chance of dealing with it in recovery than if I was numbing myself with alcohol other stuff, substances. The other day I posted, I said, you know, I have enough time, I have enough trouble on a day-to-day -day basis navigating my moods and my 
my reactions that I can't imagine adding a mind-altering substance at this point. And, you know, recovery really is the easier way. And, you know, so I just think that storytelling is so important. COVID came along and I celebrated 37 years in recovery and I had a mentor um, in my program and he died suddenly. And she had been very active in recovery for 53 years. And wow. was in recovery 53 years when she died. And she always said, whatever program you choose, if you take the fundamentals of that program, whether it's 12 steps or it's not 12 steps, you take the fundamental part of your program, you put it into your life every day, and you, you will live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And that was the case. And so, you know, that's how I decided, okay, you know, what am I going to do? Well, maybe I'll start a podcast. Well, I'm 62 years old. A friend of mine, Anthony Capazzoli, he is a podcaster and a teacher, and he has uh, the podcast Dismantled Lives. And um, he, I said to him, do you think I could do this? I said, let me be real, real clear. I have no technical ability. I'm not going to edit anything. Sure. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, I'm not going to edit. He, you know, and then I would really laugh and say, you know, for every hour of conversation, it's three hours of editing. I just laughed. It'll never happen. It's going to be raw conversation. Amen. Sitting having a cup of coffee together, like you and I were saying. And we just get the conversation as it is. And um, it made me laugh this morning when I saw your post. And it says, well, should I have an avatar? Should I have an <laughs> And I thought, hmm, there's, and so then I wrote this great big thing and then I erased it. And then I just put, there's a lot of value in the real, you know, we can take the masks off now, right? And do the real right on. A lot of controversy about that, you know, recovering out loud. And that's not something I've always done, but I think it's really important if we have the opportunity and the platform to do it because people are dying and suffering in silence. And I, I, have been involved um, throughout my time in a 12-step program on and off. And the thing is, is that, you know, I think it's important as long as we respect all the different parameters around different programs and we, you know, there's no problem speaking out loud and helping people. And podcasts are a great way to do that. So I don't make any financial gain from mine. It doesn't matter to me what other people do. Mine is pure service. I just, you know, if one person listens only, then that's one person who hears some message. I've had great guests, and the same thing as recovery. By talking to those people, I've gained far more than they've given. And right. I've had a lot of authors, and I've read a lot of books. And so the thing is, I'm benefiting. You know, at this late stage of my recovery, my eyes are open learning different avenues, having all kinds of guests on different paths. I'm meeting people like you. You know, right here today, we got the old meets the new. <laughs> you know, you're starting out and I'm at the other end and we're doing exactly the same thing every day. We're yeah. getting up, we're keeping the demon away. We're choosing to not use or drink and we're choosing to help others. So it doesn't matter where we are in the spectrum. 
we are doing exactly the same thing. And that's an illusion sometimes with people. Like people can say for a long time, like, what's the secret? What do you do? I get up, I make coffee the same way you do. I do exactly the same thing you do. You do the same thing I do. Sure. So we're all in it together. So, you know, it's really, the podcast has really helped me more than it's probably helped a lot of people. I don't know if that's been your experience, but it sure been. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time, every time somebody talks. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, I just think that the main thing, you know, I've been very blessed. I've put a lot of work into it. It's probably the only thing I've ever started and, you know, planned to finish. I was the kind of person in addiction that would start many things and nothing would ever get finished. And I'd be on to the next thing, the next distraction, the next thing that yes. mind busy. Yes. Recovery has been one thing I've stuck with. And I'm proud to be able to say that I've stuck with it. And I'm proud to help other people because I just think there's so much suffering out there. And there's so many people who I never, because, you know, here we don't have a lot of resources. A lot of resources have been cut. So the thing is, you know, I look and I walk by some people sometimes using on the street and I just think, you know, you're probably never going to have the opportunity. Right. And how sad that is. So that's how the podcast came along. That's how I've trudged along. Um, I just think everyone's got a story and the stories are so important. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and when people ask me, you know, um, how long do I have to be to come on the podcast? How long do I have to be sober? I don't care. You know, I, I, I want to know... I. I Everybody's at different stages, like you said. Um, you know, there are people on people on Twitter that are celebrating one day; they're celebrating a week. You know, uh, what did you do to get that far? You know what I mean? Uh, that's it's very important, and I, I I like what you said. You know, it's it's not the years; it's the day; it's today. Um, and all we're know, saying, all everyone is saying today, and we're saying is we're saying not today. Right, and that. It, you have to keep it that simple. Um, you know, tomorrow's a mystery, yesterday's history, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just have to get through today. Um, one thing you said, I wanted to just uh, go back and, and see if you want to add a little more to it. You said you're a different person every decade. I know they say in recovery, you know, that first year, <clears throat> you don't really know who you are. Don't do anything super serious that first year. Uh, kind of talk about, you know, what you meant by every decade, it was a new person. Yeah, I think when you go to explain four decades of being in recovery, you know, I'm not the same person I was at 21. You think of all the changes that you go through, even in your life, hormonally, aging, um, you know, everything changes. So, you know, the first decade I start out, it was in my 20s to my 30s, and um, any suggestions people made, anything they told me to do, I did exactly the opposite. Um, I would stand up, I'd just tell them this is a blank, blank, blank cult and blah, 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 and this is this and this is all bullshit and, you know, there's a party somewhere waiting for me. It's not going to be possible for me to stay here with y'all all this time. And <laughs> so the 20s to the 30s, the first 10 years, I was still fighting myself and fighting everything. I was still debating everything, questioning, looking for loopholes looking for, a, you know, an easy to soft looking for, the, this just can't be possible, 
right? So I was still really did myself a disservice. I think if people can come in and they can accept what's being said to them, I wasn't one of those people. I was too rebellious. So I needed these people that would sit down and I told you I'd stand up and give them my opinion. Finally, someone came to me and said, you know, why don't you sit here and when we think you've got something valuable to say, we'll come back and get you. And they left me there for three months. So, you know, I learned, the other thing is I was so young that my previous life before that, you know, I had parents that weren't emotionally available. I had trauma. I had different things I had gone through. So I bring, I brought all that with me. So I brought nothing to the table. I had a lot of things that needed work. And so in my case, the first 10 years were pretty foggy. I didn't kind of come in and do everything as I should. I really complicated things for myself. You know, we're complex people anyways, and we can't keep things simple. And I didn't. So the first 10 years was that way. From 10 to 20, I started to clean in a little bit more. I started to think, hey, this is serious. This is serious shit here. And like, I don't think, I think I got to sit up and pay attention. (laughs) I'm going to be here for a while. So by that time, you know, I ended up with my partner in five five years of sobriety and uh, then I started to get a job then I went through a whole other stage you know where I was doing a little less recovery because life got good and then I you know life was great and then I was running around trying to shove recovery into my life instead of realizing okay no recovery must come first and everything else will follow right so from probably I would say 10 to 20 years with that whole fine tuning and adjusting. 20 to 30 years was a little bit more difficult because in that period of time, of course, I was at the age I was in menopause. That was fun. Not only for me, but for everyone around me. So you've got the aging stuff. You've got the mood swings. You've got all of that. Still, I'm working. I had a high stressful job. Um, so, you know, again, recovery was kind of hit and miss here and there. Then at 25 years of sobriety, I had a full-blown nervous breakdown. And I ended up basically in worse shape than I did on day one of coming into the world. And then I really realized that, you know, a friend of mine said, well, what have you been doing for the last few years? You know, when you go and meet your your group people and you meet different people along the way is it just becomes social are you really listening to what's going on or is it just social is it just to be seen and to make an appearance and so I went through that stage in the third decade of just showing up at the odd function showing up to be seen uh hi I'm still here yeah I'm still sober but not plugging in on a day-to-day basis so I had to fall my way up from this mental breakdown so again, I went through a stage of being sober and stuck. And I went through a, a stage of being dry drunk, being completely sober for many, many years, but broken mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Right. And that was a far worse bottom for me than when I first came in. And so I did manage to climb out of, out of there. And so from 25 years until 40 was another stage of rebuilding everything mentally, emotionally, and spiritually at a much later age. I think we have the advantage when we're younger. You know, we're not as rigid with our thoughts and our ideas. So here I was much older and I was in a completely 
complete mess and had to start again. And I had to rebuild and reframe everything. And so, you know, that's why I say for each decade, it was different. There was a different version of myself. Because right of different experiences. Sure. But now what I can say is that the most work I've done in my recovery has been from year 37 to 40. As far as changing my old ideas, changing my rigidity, and being open to new ideas and new paths. And that's refreshing. But it's also a different version of me again. Sure. Well, I think, you know, we don't come in and we don't just become one way and stay that way. If we do, there's danger in that. Because... Sure. Everything is changing constantly. And I was a person previously who didn't change with it. So I didn't change with the world as it was changing. I kept my old ideas. Right. And they ended up actually being a stumbling block for me. So, you know, and I'm not the same person I was a month ago. So the thing is, is that, you know, everything is constantly changing. And I think that's a lot healthier. And, you know, not just to come in and have one view, stick with that view and not veer off out of the box at all. So today I really, I, I have a basis in my recovery, but I really prefer to, to look at it as I have more of a hybrid approach. Yeah. I have a foundation, but then I am happy to accept different things in different paths. Yeah, I've, I've learned so much uh, just doing the podcast from other people's approach on things. Uh, it's also reaffirmed a lot of my the ways I was going at it, you know, that I was unsure of. Um, I think it's a good point to be said, you know, the, the the amount of time that you have already put in the rearview mirror is is not a defense against today. Um, you know, you have to continue to practice. Um, you know, you had said uh, it's a disease of perception. Uh, when I was in treatment, I had a counselor. Uh, he said that when you come in, he did the same thing to everybody. He would ask the group, what has this guy suffered from? And the group would say, opterectylitis. And he'd say, what's that? Uh, and we would say, a shitty outlook on life. So he would he would do a, a prostate exam is what he'd call it, and he'd help you pull your head out of your ass. So the point was, you know, um, not drinking isn't enough. It's, it is a disease of perception. It's a disease of the mind. Um, it, it's your shitty thinking that gets you into trouble. And, and the, the substances are just a, uh, uh, oh God, I'm, I'm losing the word here, but it, it's a, yes. A symptom. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Crepe. So yeah, it's just a symptom of a bigger problem and, and being able to be a hybrid in, in recovery. I think that is huge to be able to take what you need. you know, they say in AA, take what you need and leave the rest. Uh, when you go into a crappy meeting, I think you can do that from all the various uh, recovery pathways um, in the recovery coach training, the certification that I got, you know, um, it, it was the first time that I'd heard it or really thought about it. Maybe um, they said, you know, the people know what they need. You just have to guide them and help them get there. And, and it's really true. I mean, I knew what I, I, I knew the things that were bothering me and the things that were keeping me down. And um, it, it just turns out I needed to find my own path. Uh, you know, I thought AA was the only way for so long. And and now knowing that that's not the, that's not the case. There are other avenues. Um, so uh, what and did I you do? Also, if I can add to that just for a second. Absolutely. I think, I think the thing too, is that the thing I love the most that I always think about is just because someone's on a different path, it doesn't mean they're lost. It just means they're on a different path. And right. 
that's exactly, you know, like I said, the more we can personalize our own recovery program for ourselves, right? the more successful we're going to be. Yep. So, you know, it's totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's just like, take what you like and leave the rest from everything. Right. Go to a buffet of programs ah. and like whatever and just yep. have a little bit from each one if that's what's going to work for you. Now, that might work for me, but it might not work for the next person. But I think we have to give people the respect of their own journey. You know, absolutely. I, I get a little bit uncomfortable when, you know, the judgments start about, well, you can't do this and you have to do it this way and you have to do it that way. Yes, I understand that some people are indoctrinated and some people really believe what they believe and they stick with it. I was one stuck in my old ways, but it doesn't mean we can't change. It doesn't mean we can't. Sure. So, you know, I think make it as unique as we can for ourselves. We'll have the more success that we have. And I don't think I can tell you what's going to work for you. No. And you can't tell somebody else. And I don't really think it's appropriate we do so. No, I don't think so. And I think that's why... It's the highest level of disrespect when we start judging somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important to continue to do in the podcast that we're doing um, to show what is working for other people because they might be able to take a little bit of what I say and a little bit of what you say, and then they will make their own path to success. And like you said, even if that only happens to one person doing the podcast was, was completely and totally worth it. And it's been a good day. Yeah, it's been a great day. So I, I also wanted to throw in before we, before we take off, um, you know, you don't edit, I don't edit. Um, the real, the authenticness, the rawness of it, I think is very important. Like the, uh, the beeps, I'm sure you heard from my computer. Um, that was just me trying to mess with some volume things. I didn't realize it was going to beep, but I'm going to leave it. You know what? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm human. And you know what? It, it, does it ruin the podcast? No. Well, will somebody that Life is full of beeps. Yeah. Hey man, you know, and, and, you know, if I, I, I just think that the more authentic that we can be, you know, the counselors that really hit me the most when I was in treatment were the ones that were just, you would see them get pissed. You'd see them get upset, you know, and they were just being completely real, you know, yeah, I'm a counselor, but I'm going to tell you how it is and how I felt. And I'm going to be as completely and totally as authentic as I can be. And those are the ones that I love. You know, there were, there were counselors. Years of wearing masks of all Yes. Mentalizing our lives that, you know, recovery is the time to be real. And, you know, if, if, if to me, if there's no realism in the recovery and the masks are still being worn and we're still, you know, dancing our dance, there's no authenticity. And isn't right. the whole goal, the whole goal for me is to be as authentic as possible. Amen. Yep. I agree. You know, I, and when I first started recovery, you know, I, I went, I went like a month and then my fiance at the time would give me coins and I was drinking and hiding it, you know, and there was just not only the feeling of your piece of crap for lying and she's getting you these awesome, you know, metal coins or beautiful coins, but I didn't feel as real when I was sharing too, you know, like I, I felt I knew everybody knew. I mean, nobody probably knew, you know what I mean? But that authenticity wasn't there. I knew. And so it was everything that I shared was crap. And it was because it wasn't authentic. You know what I mean? And And now just don't you find you got to work harder at crap? 
Yeah. You know, when we're in addiction and we're lying and everything, we got to keep our lives straight. We got to keep, I mean, it's all, oh my God. We're being real and authentic and true. We get to be human. We get to, and see, I think that's what speaks to people. I don't think, you know, they don't want to hear some pat little, this is what I did. And I did it this way, this way, this way. They, they want to hear the real. They want to hear the human. They want to hear yeah. the ears. They want to hear your beeps. Yeah. Yeah. Let the, know, let the beeps siren, go. You know? I live in the downtown core and at any point sirens can go by and everything. Well, you know what? They're going to hear life. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to do in recovery. And, you know, so I think that uh, I'm really glad we got to connect and, you know, we don't know each other. We know nothing. We're on complete different specters, but we're on the same path. For sure. Yeah. I mean, um, we didn't skip a beat either with those beeps, right? No. We, we we kept right on going, so we're I we're getting better. Myself, okay, well, better his beeps than mine, but yeah. <laughs> next time it could be my beeps. Right. Well, that'll be uh, June, right? That'll that be uh, be and your. I look forward beeps. to having you on my podcast, and I look forward to hearing about your story in depth, and you know, another conversation, and I'll get to learn about you, and um, you know, that's how it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is so great. And I, I really thank you for being on here. Uh, go ahead and throw out your podcast one more time. I want to make sure that I uh, that people can listen to that. Wildest Dreams. And um, it can, you know, if you can subscribe, you can uh, comment. That'll be great. I was on Twitter for some time and had quite a few people, I would say three, 4,000 people following the podcast. And I got trolled and I had to close my account. Oh, no. So now I'm starting right at square one again. But I'm hoping that we'll get it out there and people will know we're back and you know anybody who has any stories they want to share about you know our focus pretty much is is on what are you able to do in your life today that you absolutely know that you could not do if you had weren't in recovery and so any success stories anything like that just send me a message i'm happy to have anyone's stories families recover i've had many mothers and sons who are in recovery you know there's a lot of vast um resources with people with gg langer and a lot of people with books and things that have been on the podcast so there's a lot of resources so you know hopefully something will be of some value to somebody else and right now you can find me at twitter at denise podcast and um yeah, it's been a privilege and an honor to meet you and be here today. And I Hi, really look forward to us meeting up again and me interviewing you in June. And I'm hoping that a lot of the podcasters will jump on and do swaps with us. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a great way for the recovery community to know who's out there. You know, there's no competition with us all. It's like nope. we can all help everybody together. No, this is serious business. This is saving lives. Uh, you know, we're it's life and death. Yeah, it is. Yep. It, this is stuff that needs to be done and it needs to be with a sense of urgency. It's not about anything but that for me. Exactly. So I'm glad to hear the same thing. All right, Denise. Well, thanks again for uh, stopping by. And I, I, I look forward to being a guest for the first time on a podcast in June. Great. And I look <laughs> forward to it. So you take good care and thank you so much for the opportunity and you continue to have a great day. All right, you as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.